Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad, along with Robbie Falk from 24-7 Sports, give you an inside look at the Bulldogs on the field, the court, and the diamond. Now, get ready for Thunder and Lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk here with you on a Thursday morning. Thanks for joining us. It's supertalk.fm or wherever it is you get podcasts from. Appreciate all you guys out there, our great listeners, especially our servicemen and women out there taking care of us. I want to thank our sponsors at Strange Brew Coffeehouse and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. Start your day the right way. Trip to the drive-thru at Strange Brew Coffeehouse here in Starkville or at Brupolo over in Tupelo. It'd be weird, Robbie, if Brupolo was in Taylorsville. The home of Billy Hamilton and Jason Carters. That's right. They're in 1A this year, Robbie. They are going to run roughshod over that division, I think. Well, they were in 1A last year, too. Were they? Yeah. I thought this was the first year they moved down. No, they moved to 1A last year as well. Okay. Um, And I I think they were still, like, solid, but this was kind of a transition year because they just lost Ty Keyes. Yeah, Ty Keyes has been starting for four years. They had to get a little transition. They'll, they'll be back very, very soon running all over 1A, I think. But, yeah, it, it would be kind of weird if Brupolo is in Taylorsville. Brulersville? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how it goes. Anyway, wherever you are in our great state, talking about high school football gets me excited, by the way. It's not far off. You know, the state of Mississippi has proven that it's, a, that it's very much a baseball state. But at its core, this is still a football state. Oh, 100%. 100%. I mean, just the – and, you know, it might not be bringing national championships or anything like that, but people here just live and breathe – the no sport. doubt. No doubt. Well, if you live and breathe coffee, go to strangebrewcoffeehouse.com. Grab some coffee for, for your, your home there. Wherever you live in our great state, you can be drinking Strange Brew Coffee every single morning. College Corner and collegecornerstore.com. That's the place to find maroon and white merchandise you can't find just anywhere else. Only College Corner has the biggest and best selection of MSU merchandise in central Mississippi. Two locations to serve you. They're in the Jackson area. They're in Ridgeland by Fleet Feet. They're in Florida by the Half Shell or wherever you are. You can always shop online at collegecornerstore.com. You know, we're talking about Starkville and football, man. It's not too far off those weekends back here in, in, uh, in Starkville. And when you come up here this, this fall, make sure that you're putting Humble Taco on your to-do list. That's going to be a place you want to hang out on Friday night before the game. Grab a seat out there on the patio. Enjoy a margarita and enjoy some awesome tacos, the kind you can't find anywhere else. It's only at Humble Taco, one of Starkville's best restaurants, not just for Mexican food, but for anything. For a great time and great food, it's always a good choice to go to Humble Taco. If you're looking for a great solution for lunch today, why not Firehouse Subs? Download the free Firehouse Subs app. Place your order online. It'll be ready within minutes. And then you can pick up your sandwich, and then the next time you order, it might be on the house because you pile up the reward points faster than just about anybody else when you're dealing with firehouse subs. Locations in Starkville and Oxford, Columbus and Tupelo, Flowood and Madison, that's firehouse subs. So are we talking about Raheem Sterling to Chelsea? Huge move. Is that what we're talking about on today's show? You excited? No. Kulabali about to be announced. I will quit. 
Okay, we won't do that then. Uh, we've got a lot of news today, like real actual news. We don't, we don't have to throw any, uh, any analysis out there, so that's, that's good. It means we don't have to think too much. Uh, let's, let's start re- with recruiting. No song to be played here, but everything is happening as I have foreseen it. Chris Parson makes the decision. He has decided to decommit from Florida State. Robbie, the crystal balls are starting to roll in now. Recruits on Twitter, MSU players on Twitter, all tweeting at Parson. I I don't think it's a formality. I don't feel like that's the right word. You can't take things for granted in the recruiting world, but a lot of momentum pushing him to Starkville and a possible commitment at the upcoming top dog camp. Yeah, it almost seems like it's it's too perfect for Mississippi State. Like you're just kind of waiting for somebody else to sweep in and and get him. But as of right now, that's not happening. As of right now, it you know it looks like the the tea leaves, so to speak, are trending to Mississippi State, and that's where it's been trending for a while. Even whenever he made the comments about he was still firmly committed to Florida State, we never bought that. We, we yeah. always knew that it was trending this direction. Florida State was looking for other quarterbacks. He was looking at other schools. And, um, you know, there was some reports out there that maybe he was getting recruited as a running back and things like that. I mean, that I don't know the, I don't know the validity to that, but he wants to be a quarterback and he wants to be the quarterback of the class. And Florida State looks like they're going to get Brock Glenn so it's kind of strange how this works out. I was out. just about to it, say that's a really funny twist in this. It's apparently trending towards Mississippi State and Florida State trading out quarterbacks here, which I'm going to be honest with you, and it's not sour grapes or anything like that. I will take Chris Parsons over uh, Brock Glenn if I'm a Mississippi State fan. You got a guy that's dynamic. He's, he's on the rise. He just had a great showing at the Elite 11. And he's a different kind of quarterback that you haven't had, a guy that can get out of the pocket a little bit, can pick up chunks of yards. I mean, this is a guy that can be an absolute nightmare for an opposing defense that's trying to defend the air raid. He can throw the football and he can run. You cannot run a rush three defense against this kind of quarterback. And that's maybe this is – we've talked about it before. Maybe this is the start of Mike Leach saying, I've got to adjust some things here. Let's get a dual-threat guy in here. Maybe they're not going to, you know, have designed quarterback runs, but he can get out a little bit and run and, and create some problems for opposing defenses. Well, that's sort of where I want to go in this conversation is, is this the first step of, of the, the, the revolution of Mike Leach? And, you know, the first thing you have to consider is that if it is, even if it is, it feels like it's not going to happen for a couple more years. Like, Will Rogers is firmly entrenched. And then I feel like Sawyer Robertson's going to get his shot if he remains at Mississippi State. I, I just feel like that that's that's coming. This is a situation where, it, on paper, all this sounds great. Hey, he's he's recruiting dual threat quarterbacks, but unless he's one, he's, unless he's going to make a comment or not a comment, a statement like we have to do a radical change of what we've been doing. We've got to incorporate this this part of the deal into our offense. Chris Parsons not not the starting quarterback at Mississippi State in 2023, 2024 in all likelihood, which of course leads you to the questions of, well, how long does he remain, blah, blah, blah. We're, we're extrapolating way too far out. The other thing to notice of that we should take notice of is this isn't the first dual threat quarterback, or this isn't the only dual threat quarterback, I should say, with an MSU offer. A guy you're very familiar with, Trey Petty, over at Starkville High School, also has an MSU offer. 
Now, we know two things about offers. One, that when it comes to quarterbacks, Leach doesn't just throw those out the way he does for linemen and, and wide receivers, right? He's He tends to be pretty selective. He zeroes in on guys. Two, you cannot offer the quarterback of your hometown team unless you're willing to take that commitment. You yeah. can't offer Trey Petty, have him commit to you, and then when you get close to signing day, process him out. That would, that would go over like a lead balloon in Starkville, Mississippi. Cannot happen. So that's a legit offer. That's a guy who, I guess, if he wanted to call and commit to Mississippi <clears throat> State today, probably could for the 2024 season. So just I, I guess I'll just ask you that question. Do you believe that Mike Leach is evolving his offense to incorporate more of that mobile quarterback that we've seen recently, let's say, Oklahoma? Uh, I do. I, I don't know if we'll see the scheme change dramatically, but I do think he's getting a more mobile quarterback, one that can, like I've said, move out of the pocket. That's not going to be, you know, statuesque back there. And I'm, I'm not trying to diminish what Real Rogers does, but Will Rogers' focus is on staying in the pocket and throwing the, throwing the football. These guys give you an opportunity to extend plays, try to let your wide receivers get open, which – in this offense, a, a lot of that is, you know, plays breaking down, wide receivers getting out of their route running and, and just getting open. I mean, it's not just a strict route, like I'm going to run this route and I'm done. It, a lot of it is wide receivers finding ways to get open. So if that's the case, the longer you have a quarterback able to extend a play, the better your chances are completing a pass to a receiver downfield. I think this gives you that opportunity. And you have two quarterbacks that are kind of – What's you know evolving in college football is a lot of these guys are are not the prototypical you know Nick Fitzgerald, Dak Prescott types coming out of high school where they just specialize in running. There's a lot of these guys that can really run, but can also sling it around. And I think that's what you see with a Trey Petty and a Chris Parson. Chris Parson didn't go to the elite elite eleven because he was a good athlete. Right. He went to the elite eleven because he was a really good quarterback. And that includes being a really good passer. And I think that's something that he's shown in his film and he's shown, um, you know, uh, at these camps and things like that. He can do it both. And I think Trey Petty showed the same thing. That's why he picked up an offer at Top Dog Camp. He was performing right in front of all the MSU coaches. He talked to Mike Leach specifically after that camp. So you have two quarterbacks now that can throw the football and they've proven they can throw the football, which I think is the biggest thing in this offense. But I think what this tells you is Mike Leach is looking to get a quarterback that can extend plays, that can move around in the pocket, that can make things difficult for opposing defenses. Because defenses in the SEC are saying at this point, we are not going to get out of the, the drop eight. Mm -hmm. We're going to stay in this. So Mike Leach, I mean, everybody calls this guy stubborn. They say he's set in his ways and all that stuff. I think he's showing you that he's just a good coach. Because this is what a good coach does. A good coach sees that he can expand on something that he's doing to make his team better. And that's why a lot of teams have adopted a lot of his concepts because they work. But one thing we haven't seen in the past is him adjusting to uh, a lot of what these other school, a lot of what these other coaches have done under him, like, you know, Lincoln Riley and guys like that. I think this could take Mike Leach and Mississippi State to the next level because this, this is a difficult offense to defend when it's humming. If you add in a guy that's going to make you run some man defense a little more, then this offense is really going to be dangerous. Yeah, the man defense is exactly what Mike Leach wants to see. 
when his, his offense is on the field. He wants to see those one-on-one matchups. And you mentioned the Elite 11. That was a good spot for him. And yesterday, when this decommitment came out, two of the guys whose opinion I really respect for recruiting, no offense to the 24-7 guys. There are good guys out there, too. I just don't follow that many on Twitter. But I follow Ari Wasserman from The Athletic, and I follow John Garcia, who you probably know, but he now works for Sports Illustrated. And both of these guys are like, man, Parson is a good prospect. That's going to hurt Florida State. We'll see who they pick up to, uh, to, to replace him. But that's, he's a really, he really looked good out here at the Elite 11. You mentioned Brock Glenn. Florida State could find themselves in a little bit of a bind because there's a lot of Ohio State smoke around Brock Glenn. Uh, it was like Auburn has finally you know, given up the chase there. But he started to pick up a lot of offers. Let you know, you know if nothing else, if you want to feel take some, some solace in that, that Leach was on the right guy. This is the guy who's obviously going to blow up and be in a probably a, a mid four star prospect by the time uh, recruiting is all said and done. But Parson, who by the way I fully Robbie fully expect to drop down to about an eighty seven in the next uh, couple of weeks. I just, I just the, the I, Mississippi I can State smell bump. it in the air. The Mississippi State bump down. It's a real thing. Um, <clears throat> the one thing that I think protects them from that is the fact that he was so good at Elite Eleven. Yeah, it should. It that, should pe- help. People put a lot of stock in that. And yeah, I know, I agree. I mean, honestly, he's a he should be a four star across the board, mm-hmm. uh, in my opinion. Um, if you make it to the elite eleven, you should be a four star quarterback. The um, other, and that's ahead, hey, right now. He's right now he's eighty eight. Yeah, on two four seven, he's eighty nine in composite. So he's He'll be jumping up in the nineties as as a result of this. We'll, he should. We'll see what happens there. He should. Uh, looks like it's going to be a good couple of days recruiting-wise. We'll see if Parson gets on board. All indications reading the crystal balls are that uh, three-star offensive tackle Joe Crocker. Really help my friend. Oh! Uh, <laughs> should be committing to Mississippi State. I'll say this. and I Can, I, we, can I, we play that instead of the recruiting song when he commits? <laughs> Lord, lift us up where we belong. I just want to hear the 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 rock organ in the beginning of Help from My Sands and the Wow Wow That's the Cruton song for that's real. the new Cruton song. Uh this is what I believe. I think you've mentioned this before too. Is if I look at an offensive lineman's offer sheet and I see a check mark by Wisconsin and Iowa, I feel really good about that prospect. That's who state seems to be beating out here for this kid. Good prospect for Mississippi State. And then last night on Twitter, I sort of mentioned it, a couple of, uh, of recruits, notably uh, wide receiver Santana Fleming out of the uh, state of Florida, all tweeting at Parson and, and, and making some, uh, some, some inu- in, in, insinuations, if you will, that Mississippi State might be in their future. Is this going to be about to spark a little chain reaction for Mississippi State on the recruiting trail? I think it could definitely help. I mean, he's he's got some connections out there. <clears throat> the big thing I think is you know getting a guy like this on board in the air raid, and especially if he has success, I think it just elevates your recruiting for quarterbacks as a whole. And I've I've said the same thing about wide receivers. We, we've we've always talked about you know Mike Leach is in a different spot than he's been in the past with Texas Tech and Washington State. His recruiting should elevate tremendously here, and it already has. I mean, he's he's still recruiting about where Mississippi State recruits, which is about 30 spots higher than he was recruiting at Washington State, and very similar 
um, at Texas Tech, too. They were in the 40s, 50s, and things like that. So he's going to be able to recruit a bigger athlete. I think you should be able to recruit better wide receivers and better quarterbacks moving forward. And if he starts to have some success with the Trey Petties and the Chris Parsons, those dual-threat guys that can throw it around, and they see that you know this is an exciting offense, then this – this this should be the best recruiting era of Mississippi State history for skill position players. Yeah, I mean, I this agree. offense this offense isn't as antiquated as some people think it is. It gets the ball in the hands of receivers and allows quarterbacks to put up big numbers, and that's something that matters to a lot of these guys. It's not it's not always about you know the the big plays. It's am I going to get the touches? And those guys want the touches, and you're able to spread the ball around to ten wide receivers and you're able to sell two or three mid-level four-star wide receivers in a single class, and a quarterback you're going to be able to come throw for 4,500 yards at Mississippi State, mm-hmm. that's going to mean something. And, it, and you, I, you, you got to take into account that you're going to do all this while playing in the SEC, while yes. playing against the best players year, week in and week out. That, that's a great recruiting pitch for Mississippi State. Uh, it doesn't mean Mississippi State is about to take off and become a perennial top 15, top 10 recruiter. No, not under any circumstances, but they should be able, like you said, to, to up the ante on the quality of skill position players. Again, and you said it a hundred times on the show that, you know, once they start getting wide receivers drafted into the NFL and that's going to come soon, then you're going to see that, that uptick that, that you want to see. That now, will happen too. I mean, they, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, they will start to see, you know, the fruits of their labor pay off their wide receiver. I think that, I think eventually, you know, when the, within the next three years, two or three years, you'll start to see those guys drafted. And, you know, maybe at, at some point you get to where you got some guys in the league at wide receiver like you do at defensive line. I mean, they've been able to produce some of the best defensive linemen in the country. And, uh, and, and now you're seeing it pay off on the recruiting trail, too, on the defensive line. They see Chris Jones. They see Jeffrey Simmons. Mm-hmm. So you got to get those guys – you got to get your foot in the door. You got to get some guys – making plays in the NFL um, to, to really start, I think, making a difference on the recruiting trail. I agree. And, and by the way, you know, we – nothing's happened yet with Parson. He hasn't committed. Right. But I even if he gets some better offers, I think State is still going to be in relatively good position with him because of the job they've done recruiting him. And I think you have to give Drew Hollingshead a tremendous amount of credit for that. A lot of people were worried about Hollingshead yes. when he was hired. He's putting in work on the recruiting trail. He's got you in the door with, with Parson and I think in really good position here. Got to finish the job, but so far I like what I'm seeing from Hollingshead before he's even coached a down. I agree. I agree with you. Especially with, with the, when we talked about that job, you know, we all threw Chad Bumpus's name out there. And we said, oh, well, he would be able to recruit here really, really well. So recruiting was going to be a big piece of this. This is a big piece for Drew Hollingshead if everything goes the way you know it, it's trending uh, at this time. Stay on football here for a minute. We'll go, I guess, from, from positive Brian to negative. Um, Mississippi State announces, or the SEC announced, all of the uh, participants in the upcoming SEC Media Day. Sports Talk Mississippi will be there Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So we'll cover State, we'll cover Ole Miss, and I'm, I'm not sure who's there on Wednesday, but we'll cover them as well. Um, coming from Mississippi State, Austin Williams, Buki Watson, Buki Watson. And what did I say the first time? Like Boopy? I don't even know what I said. I thought you said. Yeah. And Jaden Cromedy. 
all great players, good guys, SEC uh, graduates, deserving of, of, of the time and the consideration. But, Rob, I, I, I'll go and say this. This year for Mississippi State, I don't want to hear that Will Rogers is, not, is under the radar and not getting any attention when you don't send him to media days to get attention. You got to send the quarterback, man. No, I, I don't disagree, but this is kind of what Mike Leach does. Mm-hmm. I, mean, that, I mean, he's done this just about everywhere he's been. He just uh, you. It, it took a while for Will Rogers to start doing media with yeah. us. Yeah, um, he's just very protective of those quarterbacks. I think from a standpoint of he doesn't want them to get too cocky. He wants them to kind of stay in their element. And and just focus on ball, and I think that's I think that's the biggest reason. I don't know how many times you're going to see him take a quarterback to SEC media days, but I, I totally get what you're saying. I, yeah. I think you know Will Rogers is Will Rogers is the face of the program right now. Mm-hmm. He's your quarterback. Mm-hmm. He's pushing for I mean, a lot of people think there's a possibility that he could come out this year. Yeah. I, I don't. I mean, he would have to have a tremendous season for that. I don't think that's going to happen, but. There are people that believe that he could get drafted this year as a junior. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, you're, this is a big year for him, and maybe Mike Leach is thinking opposite of that. And I don't really take Mike Leach as a guy that really cares about the accolades either. So, I, I mean, I don't know if he's really thinking about, you know, I want to promote my guys. But on the, on the split side of things, what, what you and I are thinking – you got a chance here to promote your quarterback. He's a great talker. He's very positive. He's going to talk up your whole team. And uh, also, it's just a big year for him. And he's got a, he's got a chance to be upper tier in the SEC and nationally at, at quarterback. So it is it is kind of strange they're not sending him. But I at the same time, knowing Mike Leach, I get it. I get right. what he's I get what he's doing. I get what he's doing. I don't agree with it. Is what I <clears throat> what I would tell you. That because I know Mississippi State, and I know that all year long, as Rogers is piling up numbers, that there's going to be a nonstop flood of he's so underrated, he's so under the radar. Nobody is talking about Will Rogers. You had a chance to send him for everybody to talk about, for him to come out there and say, you know, my goal this year is to throw for five thousand yards and lead my team to a big time bowl game, but you didn't do it. You got no one to blame but but yourself on that. Of, of the in the SEC sending, I think. Six quarterbacks total. I was able to – I figured it that eight – there are eight jobs that right now, Robbie, we know who the day one starter is, right? It's the six guys that are going, which are Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, um, Mike Wright at Vanderbilt, uh, K.J. Jefferson, and Stetson Bennett. There's two more jobs where you know who the day one starter is. Spencer Rattler at South Carolina and Will Rogers at Mississippi State. I understand not sending Rattler because, as you know, and as everybody knows, there's a lot of, I hate to say off the field, because it's not like he's getting arrested. But there is some not, there's a lot of non-football buzz around him that might, there's, there's people are going to ask more questions about that than anything football related. So if you want to keep him away from that, okay, I get it. Rogers is a Boy Scout. <laughs> All people are going to ask him about, wow, how many yards are you going to throw for this year? You know, how cool is it to throw the ball 60 times a game? That's all the questions you're going to get. It's a bunch of softball stuff for Will Rogers. There's no controversy or anything surrounding him. 
I, I just don't I, I get I get why you want to send you should send Austin Williams. I know he went last year. He won the McWhorter Award, which is the, the highest honor a student athlete can receive in the SEC. You want to send a defensive guy, Crumity is a great choice. I would I would send Forbes because I feel like he's your star. But you know, he's just a junior. That's fine. Whatever. I mean, I, I would send what Rogers over over Watson. I just would. You know, the truth the, the Mississippi State, you know, has a branding issue. There's not a lot of stars at Mississippi State. This isn't like a few years ago where State had Fitzgerald, who, you know, say what you want about him. Everybody in the SEC knew who Nick Fitzgerald was. You can show his picture to the average SEC football fan, and they'll go, okay, that's Nick Fitzgerald. They had Simmons and Sweat. And, you know, even before that, they had Dak, Deronia Wilson. I mean, going all the way back. This team doesn't have a lot of stars. It's very, it's very nondescript. You got a chance to make some stars. And, and as much as I like Bookie Watson, and as good a football player as I think he is, I mean, he's not going to be the face of your program. Will Rogers is. You got you to capitalize on things like that. that it, it's a miss for me for Mississippi State, but it is what it is. It's not like we won't talk to – we'll get to talk to Rogers a lot during the, uh, the season, during you know fall drills. And we'll talk to Rogers almost every week probably. But all the other guys from the Athletic and Sports Illustrated and everything else, they're, they're not going to talk to Will Rogers unless Mississippi State starts winning football games. So it's I guess it's if it if there was a somebody put out a quote I think it was on Gene's page they talked about how uh, he didn't take Leach didn't take Graham Harold to media days or Michael Crabtree to media days one year and he was like well if you want to talk to them you can always just come to Lubbock well if State wins some football games they'll come to Lubbock otherwise it's going to be another year of well these guys are so under the radar and you got no one to blame but yourself when when stuff like that happens that's just for me though all right yeah I mean I, I just. I think that Will is going to be able to let his play speak for himself. He's going to be in the SEC and uh, performing week in and week out. I mean, if people are, if people have to go to SEC media days to determine whether or not a guy needs hype, then they're not doing a very good job at their jobs. I mean, they, they should be able to see it every week. They shouldn't have to – well, this guy said he could throw for 5,000 yards, so he's definitely on my radar now. I mean, they – I get what you're saying there, but at the same time – you want those I, I feel like, sound bites, you know? I just feel like we put way too much into this SEC Media Day thing. Like, I just, it's just. That's all we have in July. It's all yeah, we but have. it's like, oh, we got, you got to get the right guys to go to Media Day. Like, well, to I mean, me, that's, it just, that's what it, Media what Day is. It's supposed to be a, a way to show off your program. It's supposed to be a way to, you know, here are the faces of our program. This is Mississippi State football in 2022, and you don't have the top guy there, the top dog. What was your favorite interview from SEC Media Days from players in the past? Okay. Um, I thought, obviously, Dak was good. I thought Fitzgerald was really good his last year uh, when we were in Atlanta because you could see the growth. Like, you know, you talk, if you talk to Fitzgerald his first couple of years, that was a train wreck. By the time he was a senior, he was composed and he knew what he was supposed to be doing. And I thought he was, he was very good. Um, Last year, talking to Austin Williams was a good interview. Uh, I thought he, I thought he did really well. Um, I talked to Fred Ross was good when when he went in sixteen. I thought he was really good. Um, who went? Brule went last year. Brule, I remember asking him, "Are you the best linebacker in the SEC?" And he was like, "Yeah." Then he wasn't even starting by the end of the season. So that's just how that goes. But I mean, I, I'm not saying that that they're, they're memorable for everybody, but I remember them. I'm probably the wrong the guy to ask. State yeah, I have a crazy, stupid memory. But you remember the Mississippi State players? Well, like if you're a national writer, like 
I'm not a national writer. I only I didn't that's, talk to those other guys for the most part. But that's what I'm saying. Like those yeah. guys are just they just write a quick story and a feature and they're done. I mean, I I don't think that it's a I don't take away a lasting impression from SEC media days that goes throughout the rest of the season. Like once the page turns, it's just like a thing to get you to August and right. like the late August into September. But you would rather have your quarterback there getting positive headlines than not. No, I, I do not disagree with you what I at say. all. I'm, Especially I, I like think, I think Will Rogers needs to be there just on principle. Alone. I agree. I agree. All right, let's move on into the second half of the show. That's brought to you by our friends over at the Mississippi Beef Council who want to remind you that beef, it's what's for dinner. When you're looking to cook out this weekend or any weekend or any time, you want to be putting beef on the grill, a big, thick, juicy steak, some great burgers, all sorts of good options when you're talking about meat, and so many great cuts of beef available there uh, at the grocery store, at your butcher shop. It's not just steaks and burgers. There's a whole lot more available to you when we're talking about beef. So go head up, hit up your local meat market, hit up your local butcher, and get some great stuff on the grill this weekend. Beef, it's what's for dinner. Thanks to our friends at the Mississippi Beef Council. Two Brothers Smoked Meats in the heart of the Cotton District. We talked earlier about getting back to Starkville football season coming up really soon. We are, what, just just over uh, like 50 days now, I think. I think it's actually 50 days from today, to be honest with you. Um, 51 days. If 51. You're paying, you need to be paying attention to my countdown, Brian. Where, That's why where else it. can I, I find it. out information about Carson Strong? I need I – need, is that his name, Carson Newman? I don't even know what that guy's name is. Carson Williams. What? Carson Williams. That's the guy's name. I, need, I needed that information on, on the 74th day, and you had it for me, so I appreciate that. Oh, thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, Brian Haydad is mm-hmm. talking trash about one of, your, one of your favorite players in Mississippi State. Direct all your hate towards right. at Brian Haydad on okay. Twitter. I'll tell you what. And you, you listen to me, Robbie Falk. I'm pulling hard for Carson Williams now. I hope that dude tears it up. I hope he does, too. He can be the new Fraud Green. Just to spit in your face. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell him, tell you what you said. I can't. I'm, I want you to make sure. I, no, no, you let me know when you're going to do that because I want to be there the day you requested. So uh, that guy said some mean things about you. Okay, talk to you later. Exactly. <laughs> That's all you've got to say. No, I can, we, can, we can talk about his story growing up in Forest, Mississippi, mm. where my wife's from. That's true. That's true. Anywho. Two Brothers Smoked Meats is what I was wanting to talk about before Robbie went on this rant against me. It's a great place to eat. They got good food. People there are really nice, unlike Robbie. I'm not the one crapping on the players here. Who's crapping? You? I just said if I needed to know something about Carson Williams, you had a call. In a very, you know I can pick up sarcasm better than anybody, and I know when you're being sarcastic. You can't even pick up anything. With your girly arms. I bet I could pick you up. I bet you couldn't. <laughs> okay. What's the bet? I, I bet lunch I could I could pick you up off the ground. You'd be here, you'd be here Monday at lunch. You'd be here Monday at lunch. <laughs> we'll get we'll get Sebastian to, to record and we'll put this out on the uh on Twitter. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna eat like a, a horse this weekend. Eat twice <laughs> as much as I normally would. A horse. Yeah. Jeez. Put it away. I may go to two brothers. I need two orders of wings, four tacos, and a sandwich. Stat. Now that's your usual order. You son of a... How dare you? (laughs) 
<laughs> Two brothers smoked meats. Robbie and I like to eat there. That's their slogan. Uh, great products and great service. Every business promises it. Who delivers on it? Advantage Business Systems does. And you know how I can tell? Because they've been open. Their doors have been open serving customers for 47 years. You cannot. It is physically impossible to stay open that long without being without taking care of your customers. Just like it is physically impossible for Robbie to lift me off the ground. Okay, he's not going to say anything. He's just he's just he's going to sit there and take that one. If you're looking for business products, if you're looking for something for your office, copiers, printers, software, computers, whatever it is, they got you taken care of at Advantage Business Systems. The number is 601-362-9192 or visit them online at absms.com. Find out Advantage Business Systems will help your business do business. All right, Robbie, we got a little uh, men's basketball news here on a Thursday. Yes. Yes, it's finally happening. Mississippi State announces that the students are going to be moved back down to the lower levels and back to center court, just the way that it used to be in the glory days of the Humphrey Coliseum. It took a long time to get back here. It's been a process, an ordeal, if you will. But finally, we have what we want, and that is the students moving back into center court. Yes, yes, hear the, hear the, the, the dulcet tones. And we will give, we all know who to thank. We all know who to praise in this situation. We won't mention his name. He doesn't need, he doesn't need that. We don't need, you know, anything happen there. We all know. We all know. But thankfully, thankfully, this our long national nightmare is over. The student section is moving back where it belongs. Uh, yeah, but I mean, in all seriousness, this has been in the works for a while. John Cohen had mentioned that they were doing everything that they could to, to try to compromise here. And I, I really believe that this is going to help change the atmosphere at the hump. It's going to make it a more electric atmosphere, especially for those big games. And it could be even better than how it used to be back in the day, you know, when they, when they had the students on, on the side there and moving towards behind the goal because of the fact they're going to be facing the camera at this point because they're going to be on the opposite end of the stadium. So I, I think it'll be a really cool look, and it's they're going to steadily do this over you know a couple years time because you know they already have tickets uh, in place, and you, I mean it's a very delicate situation. You have season ticket holders that buy those seats, you know you got students that really want to be in you know some more premium seating. So it's a very delicate situation. It's not as easy as people think it is to just move the students to the side. So you got you have to approach it differently and. I think the goal is to move them to the center, possibly if they can make it all work, and that's kind of the that's kind of the issue right now because I, I think there's still a, you know there's a concrete column in in place or something, and they don't want to create any kind of issues with sight lines with you know if students are standing up and stuff like that. So right. they they got to address that first. There's a lot but, to figure out. You're, yeah, you're, you're correct. But it's but. certainly a major step in the right direction in making this a a great atmosphere again at the hump because it's like that this over had the last to 10 years. This had yeah. to happen. And so it has happened. So congrats to everybody involved. It's a, it's a gradual process. Next year, there'll be like one section over. And then the year after that, they're, they're, they're where they are. And this was exactly where the students were when I was in school. So 94 through whenever they moved them from center court down through behind the basket. That's, that's, that's a good spot for the students. It'll work. It'll but work. they were on the opposite 
right. side of the gym, right. but it's same same spot. But it's it's going to be the exact same thing, except for instead of seeing the students' backs like we used to right. on camera, you will be seeing the students. Correct. They'll be facing. They'll, they'll be basically they will be behind Mississippi State's bench where Mississippi State's bench is right now. Right. That's where the students will be. Correct. Correct. So it's a good, it's a good setup. I'm I'm happy it happened. It needed to happen. And so now you feel like you can move forward. And, and now it's on, you know, it's on Chris Jans and company to get the rest of that stadium, you know, and, and the fans to come in and, uh, and, and make that atmosphere what it used to be. We all, it's something we say every year, right? It's always like, I wonder, you know, are we ever going to see the hump the way it used to be? Yeah. This is a good first step in getting there in my Well, opinion. this has been what everybody has said will, would prevent that. Correct. Is they wouldn't be willing to move the students. So now there's no excuses. No excuses. If this is what made the hump great, then you have it. Yes. So, I mean, here, here's another thing. I, I saw some concern over having to pay for tickets. Mm-hmm. I think it's $25 for season tickets. I mean, what, what are we talking about here, Brian? I mean, like, there are people that spend that much money on vape pens <laughs> over like a month's time. <laughs> Like, can, can you not fork out the 25 bucks? That just sounds like an excuse to me. You know, just something to be upset about. Mm. And I think they have a they have an all-sports ticket where you can get a ticket for, like, 159 I don't want to lie. I think that's that. And you get baseball, basketball for men and women, and football for $159. That's not bad. But I, mean, I can understand that people – I, I can understand students that might – that's steep, but when you consider the fact that you got all four sports and you're going to have pretty solid seats across the board, I mean that's that's a that's a decent deal. And the twenty five dollar ticket just sounds for a season that sounds like a good deal. It is a good deal, yeah, for sure. It's not free, but right. But, it, but yeah, do do you think that that's going to hinder attendance? I don't think so. No, no. The price of everything is up these days, man. Not, not, yeah. nothing's, nothing's as cheap as it used to be. So it's just another thing as far as I'm concerned. I think people will be fine. They'll, they'll be at the games. If state is good, people be will find game. ways to get there. Exactly. So, All right, let's wrap it up with our countdown today. Dropping back into the top 50 games, the 50-bit greatest games in Mississippi State history. I got one you're going to like today, Robbie Falk. This is going to be one. I think this is, a, this is prime Robbie Falk right here. Okay. The 2007 Egg Bowl is at number 44 on the countdown. Nice. Now, am I right? Is this college years, Robbie Falk? Freshman year. Oh, yeah. I was in the student section. Um, That year, I started working in media relations, but I took off that game to be a fan. And I sat in the stands. It was freezing cold. It was cold that day. That day. Sat in the stands until the, the end of the third quarter. I had to go – that night I had to go to Marshall Academy because that game was on a Friday. Yes. Um, I had to go to Marshall Academy for the North State Championship, Winston Academy, Marshall Academy. I was calling that game on television with my dad. And so I had to leave early. I missed the entire fourth quarter. And I, I I just chalked the game of his loss. I think State was down like 14 nothing in that game. They were down by a couple of touchdowns, had done absolutely nothing for two and a half, three quarters. It was awful. 
And so I, I left with no reservations leaving, and I missed I missed the ending of that game and also missed the ending of the 99 Egg Bowl as well. So two big uh, well issues there. We have one thing in common then, Robbie, because I left early too. For, uh, for no seven? Yeah, 14-0, a state had the ball, and I, I was in the fourth quarter. They punted it away, and I just said, the hell with this. And got in my car. It's, it was so fascinating, too. You think about a football game and how much traffic's involved. Well, while the game is going on, there's no traffic. I lived like maybe five minutes from the stadium, and I was home in five minutes. And yeah. got home, went up and turned on the TV, and just sat there and watched it. And then they get the stop, and then they get the touched. And I was just like, well, I, I thought, it was like, should I go back? And I thought, no, no, what's happening is I, I'm a believer that things that happen, they, ha- they are all connected. So I was like, don't go back to the stadium because that'll just ruin this. Just watch the end of the game, see what happens, and then just go back to campus if you want to. And that's exactly what happened. State wins the game, and I went back to campus to our tailgate. All my friends made fun of me, but I, I'll take that one on the chin. But, yes, so like all of the highlights of this game for Mississippi State, I, I'll, I've just seen them. I've seen them on YouTube. I've seen them on television. I wasn't there to personally experience Pegues' punt return or Jamar Chaney absolutely wrecking Shea Hodge or or Adam Carlson's field goal, anything like that. I wasn't in the stadium to enjoy it. But I have enjoyed well, all, the all the highlights came from those three plays, basically. Yeah. Well, I mean <laughs> Mississippi State did nothing for three quarters. The, the, well, I'd have to look at the timestamp, but wherever Kyle Love stops Ben Jarvis, Green Ellis, Johnson and Johnson, Williams Sonoma in the backfield. <laughs> Whenever that play happens is when Mississippi State decides to start playing in this football game. That, that was the first play for the Bulldogs, and from there it, it, it sort of took care of itself. Interesting game, Booby Dixon, I think only rushed for like 30, 40 yards in this game. He had 100 yards receiving in this game. Might be his only 100-yard receiving game as, as a Bulldog. Got to be. That, this was one of those games like Booby just put the team on his back. Yeah. Like he, he scored – you know, he scored that touchdown, mm-hmm. that first touchdown that really kind of ignited the crowd. Yes. Because they had done absolutely nothing. You know, uh, Ole Miss, they scored on like the the first possession, first or second. I think it was the first possession. They they marched down the field and scored. Mm-hmm. And then State's defense kind of held us on. And State's defense was really good that year. Yes. And they held, they held their own most of the game. I think Shea Hodge had a touchdown. He like broke the school record for touchdowns or something. Uh, I remember that touchdown reception he had. It was in the the south end zone. Is that where the M Club building is? Yes. It, it was in that end zone, and that was a long drive that they had. And it's just like the air was out of the stadium. You know, they just they, nothing could happen. And on that drive uh, that Dixon scored, State had had uh, just continued to get stops, and I, I think Anthony Dixon just said enough. Yeah, and he he got them in the end zone, um, and from there it just lit everybody back up, and everybody. I think everybody to, oh, knew if, they, the, if State could score, they could get back in the game because Ole Miss yes. wasn't any good. Yes, yeah, I, and I, I mean that's that's pretty much. I mean, yeah, this Ole Miss team was awful. It went zero and eight in the conference that year. Th- this is the this is the game that ended Ed Orgeron's career there. Yeah, but um, other moment to remember, yeah. Was it the what possession? It was it was the next possession. No, it was the it was the possession after State tied it. 
mm-hmm. that they went for it on fourth down. Right. Yeah. Wait, what? What when did the possession that state tied it after that they went for it on fourth down? No, you yeah. got it backwards. Ole Miss went for it on fourth down, and that's what sparked everything after that. It was 14 okay. nothing when Ole Miss went for it on fourth down. They were trying okay. to put the game away. That was before that was before Dixon's right. uh, touchdown. Okay, right. I got you. That yeah, drive, I, State scores on that drive, when that happened. 14-7. And then I remember watching it. Ole Miss gets the ball back. State gets a, gets a, gets, gets a stop. State gets the ball back and then doesn't do anything. And I thought, oh, God, they've squandered it. They're not going to get it now. They punt it back to Ole Miss. Ole Miss doesn't do anything. Punts it to Pegues, and Pegues takes it in the end zone, and we sort of go from there. So, yeah, tremendous yeah, game. Um, I was a lot of fun. Play by play now. Uh, Wesley Carroll threw a pick. That's that's right. Yeah. So yeah, yeah just really fun fourth quarter. That was a miserable three and a half quarters to get to the good part. But sometimes that's the best kind of egg bowl where you you, you get the win there at the end and you snatch to, to quote Jack Crystal snatch. Uh, defeat from the jaws or stacks victory from the jaws of defeat. Well, this game was very similar to '99. Very similar. And '99, you know, State was couldn't doing do anything nothing. in that game. Yeah. And until that fourth quarter, you know, they, you had the CJ Sermon's play right. that tied it up, and then you know, well, Ole Miss. Very similarly, Ole Miss did something stupid on offense. Yeah. To give State the ball back. We'll talk a lot more about that game, as you can imagine, uh, in the coming weeks. So, 2007. Mississippi State 17, Ole Miss 14 at the Egg Bowl. That's your number 40. Let me look it up against 44. Number 44 game of all time at Mississippi State. All right, tomorrow's show, we are doing our all 22 rankings. Robbie and I will rank our projected starting lineup by confidence. Plus, we'll have two games on the countdown for you tomorrow uh, to, to recap and enjoy. Uh, remembering those great times. All right, guys, have a great Thursday. Back with you on Friday for Robbie Falk. I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi Media Production.